business growth is this idea of the lean startup has been, you know, oh, you throw something against the wall, see if it sticks and pivot if it doesn't. Pivoting is a very common thing among especially young startup entrepreneurs. And it's of no consequence to them. It's not their money. They put very little time into it. And if it doesn't hit and they don't make, you know, the unicorn exit, then so what, you know, let's move on. And it's pretty hard to rack up a string of those and still have credibility. And also, you know, what are you building? What are you doing this for? So that becomes a fundamental core to what I do, which is make sure that there is a solid visionary framework on which to build a life and a legacy, hopefully, that you ask that of yourself. And that's what gets you through the hard times. Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth. Podcast where we strive to help entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the founders who have successfully scaled their own businesses. On this episode, we welcome Christine Paractis, aka The Storm Warrior, to the program. Christine's first entrepreneurial venture was a fragrance company. Since then, she has started, grown, and expanded nine others as well, and also advised hundreds of clients on over five continents. Her remarkable journey includes surviving not one, but two Category 5 hurricanes, including the first one that left her buried alive for nearly 24 hours and forced her to survive without electricity, running water, and telecoms for a couple of months on an isolated island nation. The leadership and resilience lessons that she learned have been incorporated into her next book, The Resilient Leader, which is being released in early 2020. In this episode, Christine offers strategies that anyone can use to weather the inevitable storms of life and business and come through thriving. Questions we answer today are how to apply life lessons to the entrepreneurship journey, what are the seven barometers of resilience, why one of the most critical success factors for an entrepreneur is self-awareness and developing EQ, why keeping one hand in the boat should be used in your business, and why good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. Before I take you to the intro, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you like, subscribe, and share the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms so we can help other business owners and entrepreneurs. Also, please make sure to check out the new free resources page at brettrainer.com forward slash resources for downloads, promos, and to sign up for our new fortnightly newsletter. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hi, Christine. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brett. So happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. No, happy to have you. You're, uh, we'll get into your journey because it's, it's quite remarkable and almost <laughs> unbelievable. So I'm definitely excited to, to dig into that. But first, why don't you give us you know, a little bit of your, your background or really what you're working on today. Well, I love scaling businesses. So I I tell people that I can get businesses from zero to eight figures in record time. And I use all of my experiences uh, running, operating, starting uh, 10 businesses on my own and with partners and helping hundreds of clients do the same on five continents. Awesome. That's why you're here. (laughs) We... uh... Again, I think the, the majority of the audience either looking to start a business or in the, the stages of growing their business. And so fantastic. I love to get different perspectives on, on how people are doing is, you know, kind of chatted before the show that we both have the, the no hack approach, right? It's foundational and fundamental. 
That's what I love about your work, Brett, because, you know, um, there's all this marketing out there that literally tells you overnight you're going to make $500,000 a month, you know, and um, it's so easy and you can make money while you sleep. And, oh, look at me. I went from poverty to private jet. And, you know, that's a long, hard, bloody road. And having built my own eight figure businesses with, you know, I know what that takes. And, you know, if you're looking for somebody to be in the sidelines with you, you want to know that they know that path and they're not making promises that sound really sexy and, you know, the book you want to buy, but actually the one that's going to get you there. Right. hundred percent agree. And, you know, a lot of the, even TV shows and other podcasts show the before and the after, but never really dig into right. the, <laughs> the overnight successes. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I think I had a, most of the guests that I've had on here said, you know, one was, you know, it's a 10 year overnight success. Another one was four year overnight success. And, you know, the one thing that keeps getting reinforced, and I'd love to get your perspective, I know we're off tangent already, but right. is, you know, it, you, instead of looking at, I want to build eight figures, which is the goal, but you've really got to enjoy the process of building and putting in the work in order to get there, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think about it all the time, like who are my ideal clients, right? That's the hardest question for especially starting and entrepreneurs is how to decide who I'm really trying to go after. Right. And, and I look at the years and the people that have been most successful that I've worked with, and they are always people who've been successful at other things before I, they come to me or before we find each other. And they really know how to dig in and, and keep working at something and hold that vision that they have in the first place, no matter what else is going on or how bad it gets. And not to say they don't go into their spins, and that's what we do to help them, right, is help them pull them out of the spin or get them moving when they get immobilized, which happens to everybody, no matter how successful you are. But just being able to bring a certain hunger and commitment to whatever it is you're trying to do is an essential component to being successful. 100% agree with that too. And like I kind of teased in the beginning, your story is, 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 is really remarkable. <laughs> I started from uh, a lawyer to living in a, a remote island. So I won't spoil it. Why don't you, you know, take us back kind of the beginning of your journey and even on to call it your entrepreneurial journey because you know law school legal so pick up where where you want that was really kind of the the genesis of you know the path you ended up going down well i'm i'm one of those tough people i think that needs to be drop kicked into change so you know like not everybody's like that i think some people might like change they might be willing to go forward into something new but sometimes you have to be you know punted out of your complacency and i was making at that time high five figures back in my days when i was a lawyer that was you know could have become the golden handcuffs and um i got into a car accident when i was really young and practicing you know full time at a big new york law firm and I realized in that time that it took me while I was off just to realize that this was going to be the rest of my life if I stayed here and did this, you know, day and night working, you know, lack of social life, lack of balance in my life and, you know, no time on the beach, which is where I was recovering from my car accident at that time. And I thought, you know, this is not why I went to law school. You know, it's not why I built my tool chest to get started. So I had to break out of the golden handcuffs of a comfy role and a great career tra trajectory to go be a starving entrepreneur for a while and experience some of the highs and lows. And, you know, 20 plus years later, I've never looked back. And 
that's the kind of thing that I don't think comes you, you got to be prepared, right? Are you going to be willing to go into the lean times? What do you have to shore up? Do you have family? Do you have, you know, a partner? Do you have a mortgage? You know, what can you sacrifice and what is going to be put at stake when you go after your dream? Yeah. It's a lot easier when you're young and you don't have any of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm curious too, because I think, you know, I think we're around the same age. I'm probably a little bit older 27, than you are. 27, yes. <laughs> yes, all right. So in a few years. But, you know, I was you, you're going through corporate America and throughout my career, I kind of bounced back and forth between startup and enterprise. But when the enterprise right. world, that was kind of the expected path, right? This is you make a comfortable living and all this. And it wasn't until much later in my career that I realized I wasn't passionate about this. I enjoyed challenges and building, but I wasn't passionate about, you know, going, going through the day to day. It was almost going through the motions at some point. And I thought it was kind of remarkable that you recognized that so much sooner in that process where a lot of us from that time, you know, you, that was not the norm. Let's put it that way. Well, I was given this artificial time, you know, of my life. And, and that's the thing, you know, that these, what I'll call them a near death experiences, which I seem to have accumulated a couple in my life. And, um, at every juncture that that happens, and it could be, you know, the death of a loved one or a personal, you know, risk situation that you've had or financial distress, there's going to be something that happens to all of us. And I call these now category five events from my experiences more recently that I'll, I'll share with you. But that idea that something's going to happen that allows you the opportunity to take stock. And you can turn that challenge into an opportunity if you can see it. And it really is the best way through. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's a good segue. But before we segue into the category (laughs) five discussion, you know, I'm seeing a lot more and more uh, entrepreneurs that are now entering or starting their own businesses, like the age of 30, 35, you know, they spent 10 or 15 years in the corporate world and realize, hey, this isn't my place, my mission. Either I can do this better or this isn't what I want to do. I had, you know, one guest, she became a, you know, entrepreneur because she wants to take the month of August every year to go climb. Just <laughs> that's it. She, she make enough money to do everything else as long as I take the month of August off. And I think it's, we're seeing a shift in philosophies. You always have the 20 somethings that is, hey, I'm going to start the business. They have no real world experience to your point, even maybe not near, near death, but they haven't even been, you know, they say punched in the mouth yet. So how are you going to react <laughs> to adversity if you've never even have seen it? So, um, Well, that's the thing that kind of goes to the heart of what you talk about in your no hack, you know, business growth is this idea of the lean startup has been, you know, oh, you throw something against the wall, see if it sticks and pivot if it doesn't. You know, pivoting is a very common thing among especially young startup entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's of no consequence to them. It's not their money. They've put very little time into it. And if it doesn't hit and they don't make, you know, the unicorn exit, then so what, you know, let's move on. And it's pretty hard to rack up a string of those and still have credibility. And also, you know, what are you building? What are you doing this for? You know, so that becomes a fundamental core to what I do, which is make sure that there is a solid visionary framework on which to build a life and a legacy, hopefully, that you ask that of yourself. And that's what gets you through the hard times. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think it ties in. It was a Harvard Business Review study looking Mm -hmm. at entrepreneurial success rates 
and I'm not hundred percent how to basically the business state place. And you know, about the older you are, like the 60 plus had the highest conversion rate, 50 plus second and worked its way back down. And I think that says something about experience, right? And yeah, it's funny. I saw that I probably saw the same article because I work with senior executives in media entertainment and technology to facilitate uh, transition and monthly roundtables. And I was bringing that article to them because a lot of people in this, especially in media and entertainment and technology too, everything is changing so dramatically. And some of them feel aged out when they're at the height of their wisdom and experience. And I'm saying, hey guys, you know, the statistics show that you're going to make a better entrepreneur maybe than somebody in their 20s because you're going to be more successful. Let's play those odds, you know? Yeah, exactly. 100% agree with that too. So, all right. So let's let's go back in time to the, <laughs> the recent past with the Category 5. And, and if you wouldn't mind sharing that story with us and how it kind of springboarded some of the stuff you're working on today. Yeah. So, you know, I uh, fast forward from that first story about how I launched into my entrepreneurial life. I um, had li- was living the dream, right? I had an exit from my last business. It was, you know, a fantastic success. I had money in the bank. I said, this is the time for me. I'm going to do some things I'm passionate about. And I got my boat captain's license and I've always wanted to do that and started delivering boats off the Eastern seaboard and landed in Tortola in the British Virgin Islands. And um, just fell in love with the place. And I'd spent, planned to spend a season in, in the Caribbean. And instead, I set up a home there. And I was pretty much living there full time for a couple of years. And then a little bit back and forth, um, some more years while I was working from the islands and then back and forth there in California. And just, I mean, it was paradise. You know, I had a 180 degree view of the British Virgin Islands and looking out over the waters that the early Spanish explorers discovered the new world. You know, it's just profound to me and primal and heavenly. It was paradise. And then a couple years ago, just uh, just over a couple years ago, we had the most powerful storm ever to hit the Atlantic Basin, blaze through my island, direct hit over my head, literally, and tore the roof off my house, left me buried alive for almost 24 hours, and I was alone. I had no plan. I had no idea who had survived what, what was out there. I had no telecoms, no way of communicating with anyone. And I was trapped in my storm shelter. Literally, the storm is like a monster clawing through this opening that had been created in in my my um, opening uh, the, where the doorway was, and I couldn't right. get out of it. I couldn't get out of it, and I couldn't open the other door, and I was stuck. And you know, it was the most profound and traumatic experience of my life at a time when you know I was feeling pretty confident in myself the night before when I was hanging out with friends, watching the last news reports, knowing that the wet the storm was inevitable now. And because these things can always take a turn, like anything right. in life, right? It might not hit, we hope. And I uh, went home alone thinking that I had it all made. I was well covered. I'm a professional rescuer, you know, businesses, boats, and people. They always reach their destination with me. And I'm, I got water, I got food, um, I'm okay. And I was anything but. And the storm, like any category five level event, does pass, but we have to live in the aftermath. And even after I had to spend a couple of months down on the island trying to, you know, survive without food, electricity, running water, and without access for many days to the people I considered my friends and community. I didn't know my neighbors. How many of us can say we don't know our neighbors, you know, in our own homes? What would happen if that's all we had were the people you could walk to, you know, and you're trapped up on a hill? And, um, 
you know, when situation gets dire. So those are, those are profoundly traumatic and informative experiences that I had that I turned into my, my my book is upcoming, The Resilient Leader, Life-Changing Strategies to Handle Today's Turmoil and Tomorrow's Uncertainty. And, um, you know, through that experience and all of the experiences of the past, I came up with my, what I call the seven barometers of resilience. And it's really about leadership and resilience for these tumultuous times and the seven strategies that I think anybody can use in life or business to help them not just weather the storms, but to come through and thriving. Yeah. And that's what I'd like to, to kind of get into next. You don't have to spoil the whole book. We want people to go <laughs> pick it up. But I think, you know, it's a great and a reinforcement, right? Because you went from law, had some great success building the businesses, but as you've said, most of them, most businesses aren't, hey, I'll open up and now we're successful and go live on the beach. And I know we fast forwarded through some of the, the growing <laughs> pains that you had through that. But sure. I think, you know, one of the variables that I can't measure based on the, I think we've had now 25 plus interviews with, with founders of companies and the key variable I keep coming back to is persistence, right? The success yeah. or failure is persistence. Now you have to have a good idea and some other things, but, and that's when I, I heard your story. I'm like, this is a great place that you've got not only business lessons, but life lessons. And then you decided to write a book about those things. So I'd love to unpack that a little bit. And like I said, maybe walk us through the seven steps if you're comfortable with that? and we'll Yeah, you know, I think we have enough time, but I, most importantly, and what, what's really important to me is not my story because I know it's, it's, it's dramatic and it might be interesting, but it's just about me and who cares, right? How many of you have been experienced, have experienced category five level hurricanes? Sadly, I think more and more based on the True. current, you know, climate situation, we've had five category five since in the last two years. So, you know, yes, I think that will happen more. But what the truth is, is that most of us are experiencing the kind of events that are agnostic as to their victims and overwhelmingly uncontrollable. And, you know, again, I talk about, you know, loss of a partner, whether it's a spouse or a business partner, your CFO walking out without passcodes, you know, the financial distress. There's so many things that can happen in the life and in business that has category five level epic proportions that are just beyond our ability to contain and control. And so... It's really important to me in the aftermath of the storms or coming back to the what I call the land of plenty. I, I would talk to a lot of people in the research for my book about um, and somebody who'd go into these places that are war torn and they would meet, interview a journalist who is interviewing um, uh, refugees. And after a bombing or something, they'd be sitting on their what's left of their rubble of their homes, just staring out, waiting for someone to come. And we had this on my island too. You know, there were people who just were catatonic. They didn't know what to do. And yeah, so it was taking action. And what can you do when the category five hits the fan, so to speak? And I literally started writing my book that night. As soon as I could feel the panic rising over realizing that I had no idea how I was going to get out of the situation, who might come for me? I had no plan. And so the choice was, you know, curl up in a ball in a fetal position and sob, you know, my way through and wait till I just died, you know, of lack of food and water, which might take a few days and be very painful. Right. <laughs> or I could start taking action. So I'd say, what are the actions we can take when we're just out of control, overwhelmed by our current circumstances? And that is 
and, and what if you don't have electricity, your, your iPhone, your, sm- your smartphone, your internet, you know, or a phone to pick up at all, you know, we can always pick up a pen and paper or a pencil and paper and start writing things. So I committed in that moment, as soon as that panic started to rise to make this experience count for me. And then hopefully for others who might be in a similar situation of being out of control and uncertain. And so I started making lists of things I did right, things I uh, did well, made mistakes that I made. What did I forget? I wanted to make sure I learned as much as I could for this experience. So I would never be in this again. And so I literally started writing my book and not in that conscious mental state, but sure. Doing something like that, writing, puts the, um, the right side of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, the problem-solving section of our brains to work so you can keep the emotions and the panic out of the situation as best as possible. Yeah, like I said, still, still remarkable. And so what would be your recommendations if we tie that back towards founders that are going to run into some tough times? And we, we talked a little bit about persistent, but what are the, some of the things that, you know, this too shall pass type of thing? <laughs> I'm curious, my own vantage point, what, you know, kind of your recommendations are. Yeah. So, you know, I, I developed these seven barometers and, you know, I, I look at it now and I think of, you know, to me, they're all important of equal proportions in different sort of orders and timings. But the most critical piece that we can control immediately today before the category five hits the fan is self-awareness, right? Developing an EQ, you know, realizing that who are we and how do we respond? Are we, we're autonomic in our responses. So we're usually telling ourselves a story about what's happening rather than dealing with the facts of what's happening. So we're reliving our childhood, our fear of rejection, our fear of failure. We've, we've got this self-concept about ourselves that stays within 10% of our, you know, like a thermostat keeps readjusting back to, and we have this about everything in our monies, our, our, how much weight we weigh, you know? And so just taking hold of that and saying, Hey, I have, you know, the ability to make that shift and I can stop telling my stories about this thing that's happening or get a more clear perspective. And people who have a high EQ or emotional quotient, as they say, but more self-awareness are better leaders. They get people more enrolled with them. They know who they are and why they're doing what they do. So that to me is kind of the cornerstone thing. And I call okay. that, you know, harnessing the power of the Category 5 um, storm. No, it may, makes sense. And it's really... If I paraphrase, <laughs> I won't say it as eloquently as you did. It, it's really focusing on the things you can control, right? Or not worrying about the things outside of your control. Is that? That's one thing, or, uh, one aspect, right? There's always the external, but then there's the internal too. And okay. we have an expression in boating called one hand on the boat. Whenever you're moving around on the boat, you're always keeping one hand attached so that whatever comes, you're prepared to hang on you know, that awareness of where you're stepping, the weather is out of control, a rogue wave, you know, a big swell, big winds can come up, a shift in the boat can turn you and you can be thrown. And so that's life, right? And so having one hand on something that steadies you is, you know, how you get through. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And thank you for paraphrasing, <laughs> correcting me. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just it. adding to, I'm adding to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, back to the same thing with the business, right? Knowing where you are in the business, keeping the one hand on the business. So 
You know, it's the hardest thing for people who are, have an idea, they're creative entrepreneurs and they, maybe they don't like numbers, right? I'm one of those rare lawyers who loves numbers and I'm happen to be really good at it. And I've functioned as the de facto CFO, although I'd never use the title because I'd be incompetent if I'd said that. But, you know, the idea of you really got to know your numbers, understand, and they tell the story, use your financial statements, understand your balance sheet, your income statement, and most importantly, your cash flow. Right. Nobody, everyone talks revenue and profits, but they don't talk about what can you actually go down to 7 Eleven and buy food, you know? Right. So, being understanding your numbers, understanding your ratios, understanding your business from that perspective is one of those ways you keep one hand on the boat. Yeah. And if you've ever watched Shark Tank or any of these listeners that have listened <laughs> to Shark Tank, the number one lesson they tell you know your numbers. <laughs> so, know it. <laughs> All right. What's, a, what's another recommendation or tip that you would have? So another thing that I think is, is the key metric. So the, you know, self-awareness, harnessing that power is the cornerstone. And one of the key metrics to measure your ability as a leader to me is communication. And I call that keeping the emergency channel open. So, you know, there I was, I had no plan. I didn't know. I wasn't, I didn't know who I was going to communicate with when the communications were cut off. And I didn't even think that through. So, you know, in the context of business day to day and life, what's your plan and how do you communicate with each other? As a business leader, you have to enroll people in your idea or your product or your service, and you have to understand how to communicate that in a way that they can hear. You know, I like to use um, the DISC methodology and my um, with my client work so that I can help people understand communication styles. You know, if we're communicating the same way to everyone, we're missing 75% of the people out there. And we're talking prospective customers, you know, vendors, investors, partners, team members, all of them. So, you know, having a communication style and communicating it to others and understanding their communication styles is how you measure a good leader. You know, and I've been on race boats where you've got these um, driver owner, you know, skippers that are yelling at their crew because they don't have enough faith in their crew. They don't understand the jobs that are being done forward of them and their boat. And uh, it's a sign of a lack of leadership and skill. So your team doesn't trust you. 100% 100% agree with that. And I think, you know, it even ties back to, I think the, the really good point you made was that there are different communication styles. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs or founders that have not, are not used to growing a business and having a team need to be self-aware that not everybody <laughs> thinks and communicates the same way. And that's a big problem with a lot of folks. I mean, you can overcome it, but if you don't know that you have that problem, then you're going to wonder why people aren't listening or that the, the boat's <laughs> going in different directions, right? Because people don't understand what you're saying. So, Well, I'll tell you, I learned it the hard way. My last business, we employed 160 people and we grew so fast. We made our first million in the first quarter. And we were a $10 million a year business in four years. So the imagine the immensity of that growth, which is a great problem to have, but a problem nonetheless I was diving in, managing all the systems, building out the infrastructure while my partner was doing all the rev de- uh, biz dev and bringing all the revenue in. And, um, you know, my first 360, you know what that is, right? I mean, yeah. you do, of course, but for your audience, that's the first time you have a review by the people that report to you or your team telling you what they think of you. And I was ill prepared. 
I didn't know what I know today, you know, and I was so busy focusing on keeping the doors open, juggling the cash flow and a very young business that was growing crazily with revenue spread between, you know, payables and receivables and all the things. And I thought, you know, I just got to get things done. And when people had issues, I just wanted them to want to get things done. And, you know, I had no idea how to be a good leader and how to manage people. And that's how I, I had to learn the hard way, which is what many of us do. Yeah, with, without a doubt. And again, as, as long as you learn from those mistakes, right? Don't make the same mistake yeah. twice. And, <laughs> exactly. Well, I, but I worked hard at it, you know, and it's about from year to year, I could see the measurable change, right? But it took some, you know, first year, the blow of your ego, like, what do you mean? You know, and I don't do blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and then to say, I got something to learn here. And we all have to be open to learning, you know, and I, I talk about that as, you know, a competency factor, you know, is being able to, you know, create your own float plan and, you know, another barometer, of course, but the idea that we have an obligation and responsibility to be competent at our jobs and, you know, that's, I was talking about the skipper who yells or me, who's not being an effective leader with a rapidly growing team that I have to depend on and uh, have to understand my mission and the values and the, what we're trying to get done here so that they can support and, you know, work in concert that it's the competency that becomes the key factor that people will respect you for if you have it. Right. Adjust, right? Yeah, <laughs> adjust right. And you'll lose folks and turnover and churn. You get all sorts of good stuff going on there. Yeah. Excellent. All right. How about, I know we're starting to run short in time and I want to be respectful of your time. How about one more uh, recommendation you'd have for, for business owners? Well, I'm going to talk about, you know, what I call committing to a course, right? It's your judgment and decision-making capacity that, you know, Rita Mae Brown says, if you, you know, good judgment comes from experience, experience comes from bad judgment, right? We've probably heard that expression (laughs) before. I've had plenty of uh, experience. And so, you know, we're all going to have stuff happen and understanding that, you know, we're going to be out of our elements quite a bit as an entrepreneur, as a startup entrepreneur and a business growth. And, you know, recognizing who do I need to draw upon? Who knows this situation better than me? Who's done it before? How do I get my team working together in a decision-making style that works best for the situation? So there's two things going on. Your judgment, you know, when do you make those good decisions? And how do you make those good decisions? Who do you rely on? Is it going to be an autocratic? Is it going to be by committee? Is it going to be a consensus? And what do you communicate to your people? Since we already talked about communication, that everybody knows, okay, this is a situation where we're going to use a consensus style, or this is going to be an autocratic style. I'm making the decision without input, or I'm going to take your input, but I'm still going to make the decision, or I'm going to rely and delegate. And then that person has to go through that whole process. So just being aware, you know, of what is needed for the enterprise and, and situationally, so you can assign the right decision makers, even if it's not you. Yeah, I'm curious on your perspective. Is, is it varied in the sense of the approach based? Or do you try to be consistent with the way you, you manage? So if your consensus, you know, I'm, I'm just asking for your opinion of what you have seen in different companies, because if you're consensus mm-hmm. on one, and then you're just say, this is what we're doing on this one, is there value to that? Or would you recommend being consistent with your approach so people are comfortable with, with, the, with the style? 
Well, I think it's going to be a couple, two things are at stake, right? One is the uh, exigency of the situation. Is it emergent? Do we have to make a quick decision? In which case it might be a more autocratic, maybe with or without input, depending on you know what timing you timing, have. Sure. Yeah. And then the other consideration is how much enrollment from the team do you need? Right. And if one goes up, it becomes more autocratic. If the other enrollment goes up, then you're going to be more involved with a you know, consensus or committee or, you know, uh, engagement with your team before you make a decision. And you know, if you've got enough time, then you can delegate. And we as leaders, as business owners, we've got to develop that delegation muscle. Right. We just don't especially in the beginning, I'm a total control freak. You know, that was part of my issues in the beginning was just thinking I had to have my hand on everything and not really being able to trust, not thinking I can trust my people and you don't bring out the best. So, you know, those are the two, two and a half considerations, I think, that dictate what kind of communication. But so long as you lay it out and help people understand, okay, if we're going to hit an emergent situation, I'm going to be making the decision probably, and depending on the timeline and, and the emergency, I might be doing it without you. But if I need you to take this responsibility on, I'm going to, you know, engage you more. We're going to do it by committee or consensus and let people know up front before the situations happen so they know what to expect. Yeah, that's really no. all that's needed, I think. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And it's funny you mentioned control freak. I think that's <laughs> part of the entrepreneurial nature because uh, the, the two main, I call it regrets with air quotes, that most of the founders have had is one, I wish I would have started marketing earlier. And two is, I wish I would have let go sooner, not of the entire company, but as it was growing, they were still trying to be involved in every aspect of the day-to-day. -day, and it actually slowed the company down versus allowing the company to grow and let people take, as you say, delegate and take on some of the additional responsibilities. Yeah, you can't get to multiple six figures, seven figures, eight figures without building a solid team. So you better develop that muscle really quick. Yeah, I had I'm mad at myself now. I don't remember which uh, one of the CEOs. I his first business, he failed to plan for the delegation or you know stepping away from the day to day. So they were very intentional with business number two of building that into the growth strategy of who we're going to bring in when versus. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, hey, lessons learned. Don't make the same mistake twice, and you know you're gonna it's gonna pay off. So all right, before we move to the uh, the closing time. Uh, section of this. You know, what's what's next for you and the team? What are you working on these days? Well, more of the same. Um, buildings out masterminds to bring together communities of people that are of like mind and high level. So very senior leaders and, you know, people that have had a certain amount of success so that they can share resources, grow together and um, ex get exponential value from that community. One of my chief learnings in my storm experiences. Awesome. And you got the book yeah. coming out next year, 2020? Yeah, it'll be hopefully by May, June at the latest, but I'll keep you posted and I'll send you a link when we've got pre-order links available and we'll do something special for your audience. Awesome. That'd be fantastic. All right. So I do like to end with the, what I call the closing time session. And this is a chance for the audience to get to know you a little bit more personally, right? So nothing too, too deep, but just you know, something <laughs> kind of fun. Uh, so first question of two is, what is one thing that you would highly recommend? Don't go it alone. <laughs> you know, if I've learned anything from that storm is do not 
try to do any of this by yourself. You know, find the people that have tread the path you've been on before and use them. Get a mentor, get a coach, you know, but, you know, decide who you're going to answer to, that you're going to be accountable to, and make sure it's someone you respect. You know, that's what's so great about you, Brad, is that you have the experience of big enterprise and the small startup and the entrepreneur. So, you know, being able to have the right kind of support that suits you is is critical to success. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I've said that a lot today, so <laughs> we must think alike. Um, that's the beauty of it. <laughs> but it, it's so true. I think I've found for the most part, even if somebody didn't start with the co-founder, the business really started to thrive when they had a number two. Yeah. And I think with complementary skill sets, but a shared vision of where they're trying to go, which I think well, is... And, but also that outside advisory, you know, that, oh, yeah. that good business strategist or coach that, you know, can see your eyebrows. None of us can see our own eyebrows or smell our own breath is another expression I've heard. You know, we've got to have somebody who can look from the outside in to help us gain the perspective that we, we can't have from the inside. No, that, that is so true. I haven't heard that expression. That must be an LA thing, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> I like it so, you may right, use so, it. <laughs> and last but not least, last call. If you could only have one more beverage, you know, kind of think of your last meal of beverages, what would it be? All right. So I'm a tequila drinker. I'm going to confess, but I like really great tequila. And um, I know I happen to be at a talk with John Paul DeJoria, who founded and built Patron on the market. And one of my friends is doing some business with him. And he's got this very special private reserve, super high end, not available to the public cask of tequila. That would be my last drink to sit with John Paul DeJoria and, and drink his special reserve Patron. I'm not even a tequila person, but I would probably suck in or sign up for that one. As I well. think you who would you would get so much knowledge and at the same time have a good time. <laughs> exactly with a high quality tequila. So exactly. Can't argue with that. Well, Christine, thank you so much for your time today. I learned a lot. I really appreciate your enthusiasm. We look forward to the uh, the book coming out. And if anybody wants to reach out and find out more about you, what's the best way for people to connect? So christineparakis.com is my website. Hopefully there'll be a link posted. And um, <laughs> yep, and you can um, check out my book on Amazon. My first book is The Entrepreneur's Essential Roadmap, Taking Your Business from Zero to Seven Figures in Record Time. There you go. Can't argue with that. Again, Christine, thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. And you know, we'll catch up with you maybe when your book launches. How's that? Absolutely. Sound? Thanks so much, Brett. I had a blast. Take care, right. everybody. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.